All right, get your uh, Bibles open to Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. A week ago, it's hard to believe, a week ago, we were celebrating Christmas, and now here we are celebrating a new year. And we kicked off Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, with this incredibly theologically rich, pregnant promise and declaration about why we're here worshiping Jesus this morning. It simply said, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And we highlighted the fact that the, the word gospel, of course, we know means good news, but we tied it into a little bit deeper meaning. It's why is it good news? Well, it's, it's a military term as well. It's the good news that Jesus Christ is victorious and he's conquered all of our enemies. Now, I can't think of a better way to start a gospel than with the good news that we win. All right? We win. Jesus Christ has already won. Now, we know that I, I love the, the, the context of the kingdom because I love this idea of the already but not yet. How I many you know Christ brought his kingdom? We're living in that kingdom reality now, but the fullness of that kingdom is still yet to come. So we've tasted of it, and the signs of the kingdom Jesus demonstrated for us, and we should be living in those signs today. And yet the fullness of it is still to come because that's what Christ is bringing when he, when he returns. So you understand the tension point. But Jesus' birth was a declaration of war, uh, war against the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. It's also the beginning, and I love that phrase, the beginning of the gospel, because this is really good news for us because if some of you need a fresh start and a new beginning, guess what you have available for you right now? A new beginning. And what I'm going to preach to you is the ministry template that Jesus established for us. And it should be good news to anybody that still needs more freedom because there's freedom. Ready for this? There's freedom today. There's new opportunities today. There's fresh beginnings today. And can I just share this with you? If you're dealing with somebody, for instance, in your family or a friend or a relationship that has not changed for 50 years, here's the good news. Today is a fresh beginning. Don't, don't ever be cynical that it hasn't happened yet. Every day is the beginning of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it means there's hope for you today. So don't ever get cynical or jaded or, or full of unbelief or, or get hearted in your, uh, hard-hearted. Stay fresh and believe that today is a fresh day for breakthrough. Now, I want to talk about the ministry pattern of Jesus. And as I said... Each one of these principles that are established here, as we're, we're going to be looking at uh, Mark chapter 1, uh, verses 16 through 45 this morning, each one of the, the principles we lay out are really, really important because they're for us. I mean, you know, Jesus is our example in everything. Everybody say everything. Well, how do I live my life? Look at Jesus. Well, what does he expect us to do? Look at Jesus. Well, what authority do we have? Look at Jesus. He's our example in everything. And so as we're going through this, I don't know what theological background you've come from or denominational context you've come from, but, but many people, many denominations have completely made most of the Gospels irrelevant because they said, well, that was Jesus and that was for him, but it's not for us and God doesn't work that way anymore. Stop it! Why are you limiting God and why are you limiting what God wants to do through you? Stop it! You're setting, if you're going to do that, you're going to set yourself up for a very boring year of failure. 
and it's going to be purely because you put a cap on who Jesus is and what Jesus can do and what he wants to do today. Stop it. Go through the Gospels and read the Gospels with your eyes wide open and believe that here's what Jesus says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed in who he is. He has not changed in what he does. He has not changed his mission. He's not changed. We have changed, but he has not changed. So as we're reading these things, I'm asking you to do this. In your heart of hearts, that you reach out in faith and say, Lord, I want to experience more of that. Lord, use me to do more of that. Amen. You guys with me? All right. It should fill us with such a hunger and such a sense of expectation because none of us have arrived. We're all still learning. We're all still disciples of Jesus. All right, let's take a look. First principle, start at home, all right? Start at home. Look at what it says uh, in verse 16. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Remember, we just came off a series called Bringing Jesus to Work. Who is Jesus recruiting right out the gate? Two guys that are running a fishing business. These aren't religious folks. Remember, ordinary, ignorant people. We all qualify. I'm just, I'm just reminding. I'm just reminding us. Guys running a great fishing business. They fish for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come and follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. They left their nets at once, and they followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John. So we got Peter and Andrew. Now we got James and John. In a boat, what were they doing? They're repairing their nets. So we got four fishermen. That's the first four people Jesus called, four fishermen. He called them at once. They also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Now, this is what I love about the, as we're looking at Jesus' ministry pattern. The very first activity Jesus is involved in, ready for this? Team building, which is the essence of discipleship. What we tell all of our leaders, anybody that is a senior leader at Living Stones has to be able to have this skill. You have to build teams. In other words, it's not just about you doing all the work yourself. It's about raising up people and teaching other people to do what you've been called to do. And so you have to always be thinking how to multiply who you are, which is why what is our vision statement here at Living Stones? We grow people. And we multiply leaders. Say that with me. It's important. We grow people and we multiply leaders. So if you are a member of Livingstone's Church, we like to keep it really simple. What is your assignment this year? We want to see you grow. How many know leaders have to learn how to feed themselves and they have to know how to grow? Amen? Y'all could, you have a plan for growth this year. I'm asking you, do you have a plan for growth? I hope you're thinking about that. What are you reading? What are you doing? Who are you, who are you hanging out with? Um, we have life groups starting up here in a week. I hope you're going to get connected. I, I was just challenging my brother. Get connected with other people who share the same values. Uh, really, really important. So the very first thing out of the gate after Jesus declares he's the Christ, he's the Messiah, he is the anointed one, what's the first thing he's doing? He is reaching people. He's making disciples. Can I just tell you something? We're not here at Living Stones to build the biggest church we can build. You ready for this? We're trying to build as many people as we can build. It's not about buildings, and it's not about numbers, and it's not about, it's about building people. 
And so Jesus is, uh, is making disciples. He is building a team, and he's being very intentional about it. I want you also to notice this. Where is he starting his ministry? Everybody say, at home. Galilee. Now, this will preach. I want you to begin to focus on your home. Because if it doesn't work at home, don't try to export it. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It doesn't mean your marriage doesn't need a little tweaking. It doesn't mean that there's not some relational strain you've got to work through here and there. And it's not a call that you have to be perfect before God can use you. None of that's true. But can I just tell you something? It has to start and it has to work at home. Because what good is it? I told you this before. I can be the most effervescent, charismatic pastor in the world, but if my wife thinks I'm full of it, she knows me best. If my wife says you're full of it, I probably am. So it doesn't matter how many people I fool on Sunday morning. Is this making sense? Jesus began his ministry at home in Galilee. In fact, that was a big stumbling block, wasn't it? Because they said, wait a minute, we know this guy. He's our neighbor. He runs the construction company, the carpenter shop. You know, we know this guy. It was the fact that he started at home where people knew him best, which, listen, it helped validate his ministry and his message. So, okay, so, Pastor, what are you doing on this first day of the new year? I'm, I'm making a plug for marriage class if you're married. I'm making a plug for life groups if, you're, if you want to get connected with good people that are going to help you grow. I'm, I'm trying to help you guys understand that it's got to work at home. So here's the deal. Before, you know, I had a guy one time come to me, Pastor, I'm called to be a worldwide evangelist. The only problem was his house was a disaster. And we tried to nicely say, hey, I'm not questioning what, that you're not called to a global ministry to preach the gospel. But why don't you start with your wife and your kids? And how about you have a job and you pay, you pay bills? How about we start at the most basic things and master that and then let God promote you to larger levels of influence? This is good preaching here this morning. Because the gospel is not only visionary, spiritual, mystical, awesome, supernatural, but it's also practical. And, uh, and again, start at home. That's where Jesus did. He started at home. Let's look at the next thing. Look at verse 17. Second point, let's make people our priority. Jesus simply said, follow me. I'm going to show you how to fish for people. Can I just tell you, it, this is another great New Year's resolution. It, this would be one I could embrace. Lord, help me love people extravagantly. That's a good one, huh? Like you wake up, you're like, well, how should I challenge myself today? How about I focus on really loving everybody I come in contact with? And how about this? Extravagantly. The gospel is about people. And I just want to remind us all. Why are we here this morning? It's because you are precious to God and you're precious to us. This is not a job. We're not here because we have to be here. We're here because we love to be here. How many of you could argue... That Sunday is your favorite day of the week. It's our, my favorite day of the week. Well, pastor, that's because you're a pastor. No, many pastors hate Sunday. Because the people show. You know what I'm talking about. 
Can I just tell you that the secret to a lasting, fruitful life in ministry is love people. Love broken people, love selfish people, love people who do you wrong, love people who do you right. Just love everybody and work on spending your life loving folks. The secret, I believe, to successful ministry is staying fresh and loving people, loving Jesus, loving people. That's what keeps you from having to, oh, oh my gosh, I'm so burned out. I'm only going to do this two more years, and I'm out of here. All these people are driving me crazy. You know, that, that is a person who needs to take a time out, get alone with the Lord, and get a fresh vision and a fresh heart. We love you guys. You're a blessing. You're why the church exists, to minister to Jesus and to love people. And can I just tell you, I hear people say, eh, when we get older, we're going to retire, we're going to move away and get a piece of property out in the middle of nowhere, and I just want to look at you and say, why? If Jesus came for people and you're here on mission, why are you running from people? Let's go out in the middle of nowhere, have a giant piece of property. We can live in a cabin and never see anybody ever again and waste your life. with the cows or chickens or whatever you're going to have. Jesus came for people. I don't like people. Well, you better let God heal you. Well, I'm an introvert. Well, you still can love people the way introverts love people, but you better be focused on people or your life is irrelevant. So let's be people-focused. People are awesome. Yes, they're broken. Yes, they're hurting. Yes, they're messed up. But so are you. So am I. So let's just get over it. And let's just choose to forgive people that have hurt us, and let's really work on loving people. Jesus said, I'm, drop the nets. It's okay to eat fish, catch fish, go fishing. And I just want to say that to all of our diehard fishermen here. Praise God, we all need to get away and go sit in a boat and drown worms or whatever you're going to do. But at the... At the end of the day, if that's your goal, to go spend it on a boat with worms, come on, that's not. Even use fishing as a means to touch people's lives. Now, I know I got some great fishermen out there, and you can invite me to go fishing with you anytime. I'll take you up on that. But the point is this, whatever distractions we have or whatever forms of entertainment we have, let's most of all be entertained with loving people. That's the message. Third point. Let's preach the gospel of the kingdom. Look at what Jesus says in verses 21, starting in verse 21. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. Uh, when the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and he began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. Then jump down to verse 38 with me. Verse 38 says, Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. And I circle this in my Bible because it's important. This is why I came. Now, I want to touch on something here just to put some things in order of priority. We are a church that believes in signs and wonders and miracles because that's what Jesus specializes in. That's the supernatural power encounter kingdom ministry of Jesus Christ, and we believe it's just as vital today as it ever was. But can I just tell you something? 
sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel, and I say preaching, not, I don't mean just standing behind a pulpit, I mean wherever you are, sharing Jesus, the good news of the gospel, the way to salvation, the good news of forgiveness through Christ is priority number one. We could pray for people today, and people could get physically healed, but guess what? You're still going to die. All we're giving you is an extra couple of years or be pain-free for this or that, and please hear me. I'm not minimizing that at all. That's vitally important as a part of the gospel. But can I just tell you, people's greatest need is Jesus. People's greatest need is forgiveness of sins. People's greatest need is to get in right relationship with God. In fact, many times when people get saved and they get in right relationship with God, it's amazing how their bodies follow suit. Um, Jesus said, this is why I came. Now, let me ask you this question. Why would Jesus be so emphatic about preaching the gospel, the good news of his victory, wherever he went first? Notice he he didn't, I'm, I'm trying to say he didn't heal first or he didn't cast out devils first. He preached first. Why do you think that's so important? I think one reason is obviously a priority, but why the priority? I think one of the reasons is because it's the preaching of the good news and the victory of Christ that puts faith into our hearts so that we believe that what Jesus says, the promises that he makes are for us. And how many of you know when you're moving in a spirit of faith, nothing is impossible to those who believe? So faith has a way of inspiring us, of putting, I'm, I'm preaching as a way of inspiring us and causing faith to arise, which is why can I tell you this is important. You've got to sit under the preaching of the word. You need to be in the word in a brand new year because if you're not feeding yourself on the promises of God, what do you have? You're going to be living in unbelief and limitation. It's the promises of God. They give us faith when we're facing the challenges that we're going to. Can I just prophesy again? You're going to face challenges in the next 365 days. All we're going to talk about is degrees of challenges, but one thing is, is absolutely certain. We're all going to be challenged. How do you know you're going to come out on the other side in victory? Well, I, I can tell you one thing that's a correlation. How much time are you spending with Jesus and in the Word of God? This was priority. Preaching is foundational. Because forgiveness is our greatest need. But I want to encourage you. The, the word used here in the Greek is the word sozo, S-O-Z-O, used 110 times in the New Testament. And it means to be saved or rescued from the power of Satan and restored into wholeness, the wholeness of God's order and well-being. It means saved. It means healed. It means delivered. It means completely saved. So can I just encourage you, when you're preaching good news, Don't limit the good news because the word God used, the word he has in mind, is complete deliverance from anything that the devil uh, would have over you. So that means he's going to deliver your spirit. He wants to deliver your body. He wants to deliver you emotionally in terms of emotional health. He wants to bring absolute healing in every dimension of who you are. How many of you know that's good news? The whole gospel for the whole man, the whole person, that's the message Jesus is preaching. And he preaches it to bring hope into people's lives. Now, let me just share something with you that I think is very, very exciting. As Jesus is preaching, take a look in, at verses 20, uh, starting uh, in verse 23 through 28. Our first, fourth point here is setting captives free. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? 
Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. Come out of the man. And at that, the evil spirit screamed. And he threw the man into a convulsion. And then he came out of him. How would you like to have that happen on Sunday morning in church? I know people that would leave the church. Oh, my gosh, I'm not going to one of those kind of churches. You mean like Jesus kind of churches? Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what happened. What sort of new teaching is this, they asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. Let's talk about the reality of the demonic realm. This is so good. Why the primacy of preaching? Because when Jesus is preaching and declaring who he is and what he's come to do, every demonic spirit present in that place starts getting agitated. And I want you to see this. What causes the demonic spirit to manifest is the preaching of Jesus Christ and the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I, we're just going to do a little touch here because we are one of those churches. We believe people need to be set free. We're a church that believes in the, in the power of the demonic. But let, let me just touch on the things by way of, of, of kind of peppering this, right? We're not going in to do a deep dive here, but this is important. When we talk about deliverance, it's setting a person free from the influence of a demonic spirit. Now, in many of our translations, that word possession, I think, is an unfortunate word because it suggests an all-or-nothing kind of situation. And people rightly say, well, a Christian really cannot be influenced or, or possessed by a demon because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. I would agree with you on, on this level. A Christian cannot be possessed in the sense of fully taken over by a demonic spirit, but I think the word possession is a bad translation. A better word is infested, like in terms of you go into a house and you turn on the lights and you might see one or two cockroaches running or you might see a black sea of cockroaches running. And then you go to the next room, oh, there's no cockroaches here, and you go through the rest of the house, oh, okay, there's, there's a few, we need to take care of it. Or you might go from room to room to room to room, and there's cockroaches everywhere. How many know we're talking about degrees of infestation? And let me just tell you, just because you bow your knee to Christ and invite Christ into your life does not mean that if you spent 40 years living a godless life that there's not some cockroaches that need to be dealt with. Say, so, well... Well, I'm a, I'm a Christian, and Christians aren't under the influence of the demonic. That's not true. When you are born again, your spirit becomes brand new. You still have a soul, and you still have a body. And depending on how many years you've li lived a godless, sinful life, that determines how many entry points you've allowed the enemy to come in and to build strongholds in your life. This is why we do encounter weekends. This is why we do personal ministry for people. Because let me tell you something. There's nothing more frustrating than coming to a church after praying a prayer and wondering why you're still not free when everybody else seems to be enjoying the ride. Right. And let me just tell you something else. Nobody should be saying, well, you have a demon. You need to get, no, no. Jesus didn't go around saying somebody had a demon, and neither should you. Jesus also didn't say, oh, you have a demon of X, Y, and Z. Um, he didn't do that. He preached the gospel. Yes. And I have found this in our experience uh, overseas and other places, America. 
when you preach the gospel and you give people a chance to come forward, because it's not about just talking about the gospel. It's about giving Jesus a chance to demonstrate the gospel. This is amazing. I hope I, hope I don't run out of time here. There are people that whenever we give an altar call, people come up here who have been in church all their lives and say, well, I, I never experienced anything like that. Like what? Like coming up to the altar for ministry. What kind of church have you been at? A church that is just talking about the gospel but never gives Jesus a chance to show the gospel. What kind of a church would we be if we just talked about it? So here's the point. We just got back from Honduras. I lo- what, what do you preach on? I love to preach on the kingdom. That's what Jesus preached on because it, it encompasses everything. So you preach on the kingdom. People come forward, and as you're praying for them, they start manifesting. We're not demon-focused. We're Jesus-focused. So, so here, here's, here's two mistakes people make. Ignore the devil and act like he's nowhere or focus on the devil. You can get in, the, in, a, in a, a bad ditch by focusing on the devil and by assuming that your call is to run around and cast demons out of everybody. Your job is to preach the gospel. Your job is to be Jesus-focused. If you will do those two things, you'll see people manifest. In fact, we were joking around because David Santana had this beautiful pair of white tennis shoes on when we were in Honduras. And we got praying for a man. Listen, someone that's not free knows they're not free. You don't need to tell them they have a demon. They know. They know because they're not free. They're still under oppression. Man came forward, shared a story. That's another thing that's really important. What's your story? What's going on? Started sharing his story. We said, let's pray. As we started praying, he got hit with nausea. It started bending over and started vomiting on the ground. How many of you know, that's the spirit. He felt perfectly fine before we started praying. And then he got hit with nausea to the point where he started vomiting. And then afterwards, he had a headache beforehand, like an oppressive thing on his head. And God completely set him free. And David was laughing because he, uh, he missed his nice white tennis shoes with all the vomit, you know. Um, I mean, you can have fun while you cast out devils. But, but, but here's the point. Here's the point. We don't go looking for devils. We focus on Jesus. When you focus on Jesus, people get free. Can I just tell you something else that I think is very, very important? If we're Jesus-focused and people-sensitive, then we remember that we're ministering to the person and not to the demon. The devils love to show off. They scream, we know who you are. Jesus says, shut up. They throw people on the ground. They try to make a scene because it's all about arrogance and pride and being the center of attention. And Jesus didn't put up with any of that. He said, stop it. Because here's the point. We're not here for a demonic show. We're here to set somebody Jesus died for free. We care about the dignity of the person, not the fireworks that the the enemy likes to try to get our eyes off of Jesus. He loves, the devil loves drama. And Jesus simply tells him, shut up. I love that. So, how many of you know, there's freedom for people that are still not free. And if you're not free, there's, there's no stigma like, oh, my gosh, I'm possessed by the devil. No, you're not. You have some infestation that needs to be taken care of. And, and it's not, it doesn't have to be all this drama. Press into Jesus until you're free. And it doesn't have to be a certain way or whatever. Just press into Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you to set me free. 
And we talk about these entryways and stuff at our encounter weekends. Very, very important that you shut the open door. Because listen, now that you're in Christ, the only place the devil has in your life is where he has legal authority to be there because of your agreement and your sin. So if you repent of your sin and if you renounce your agreements with the devil, he has to flee. And then you're free. So here's another challenge for this year. Pursue freedom. Amen? Pursue freedom. Let me quickly move on, and we only got three minutes. <clears throat> Hate that. All right. Heal the sick. Look at uh, verses 29 through 34, verses 40 through 45. Uh, I don't have time to read all that. The first section, uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with the fever. Jesus went to her bedside. He took her hand. She sat up. The fever left her. She started serving them. Amazing story. It says that evening after sunset, verse 32, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. Verse 34, Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases. He cast out many demons. But the demons, because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. And verse 40, a man with leprosy knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. Jesus, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And I want you to see two things about Jesus. Verse 41, he's moved with compassion. He reaches out and touches a man who is untouchable. Can I just tell you another thing? For the church in the midst of a pandemic to stop meeting and praying for sick people is a disgrace to the power of the gospel. I just need to throw that out there. Jesus, Jesus touched lepers that nobody would touch because he believed in the power and authority of the gospel to heal sick people, even lepers. And this leper says to him, are you are willing? And Jesus says, and I want you to hear this, I am willing. This is why we do not put that nice little mea culpa on the end of our prayers. Lord, if you're willing. Jesus has already told you the default of his heart. He's willing. He's willing. He's full of compassion. Lord, do you think maybe you could care about what's going on in my life? I'm full of compassion. Are you willing, Lord? I am willing. I want to say something else very quickly in the one minute that I have. Mm. The value of healing is not just for us. Healing is also a powerful tool of evangelism because it demonstrates the love and the power and the compassion of God Almighty. So how about this? Will you pray when you run into people who are sick? Will you offer to pray for them? And they'll say, sure, I appreciate that. And they'll say, no, right here, right now, can I just pray for you? And lay hands on them and take authority over what's going on in their life and pray for healing. And we'll just watch what God wants to do through us this year. Because I want you to hear this. This is important. Healing is not peripheral to the gospel. It is part of every single commission given by Jesus it is absolutely central to the gospel message. Yes. Preaching the good news, healing the sick, casting out devils, yes. the gospel of the kingdom. That's the gospel Jesus preached. In fact, look at what Matthew said. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received, thus saith Jesus. Yes. Matthew chapter 10. Last thing I want to say. Live a life that's fueled by prayer. In verse 32, it says, that evening after sunset, all these people, so in other words, when it got dark, 
All these people came to Jesus, but I want you to see this about Jesus' life. Verse 35, before daybreak the next morning. So how many of you know Jesus had a busy night after the sun went down? But before the sun came back up, what did Jesus do? He got up and he went to an isolated place. And what did he do? He prayed. He spent time with the Father. How many of you figured this out? The authority that's granted to us flows best through us when we spend time with the Father on a regular basis. It's about walking with Jesus. Walking with Jesus. And can I just give a last-minute plug here? Chris Krause is teaching a class. Chris is our lead intercessor. She's an amazing woman of God. Amen. Chris, stand up if you would. I want people to see your smiling face. Chris will be teaching a class called Answered Prayer. We were made for this starting January 9th, a Monday night, 6 to 8 o'clock, four weeks. If you want to grow in your intimacy with God and grow in your understanding of prayer, there's another great place. Jump into that. Chris is an incredible teacher. You're going to love it. All right, stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you real quick. It'll be one of those fast prayers. You ready for that? Lord, thank you for the ministry template. Now we get to do it. How awesome is that? Lord, use us today and every day this year for your glory. In your mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. We love you. Have a great day. If you need prayer, come on down.